what I think it's important for people to realize is there really is no truly unique ideas. It's your spin on it and it's your personality and it's what you bring to the table that makes it unique and different. So I hope that nobody listening will allow that to stifle their creativity or stop them from writing and publishing their books. And just to know that, you know, the world needs you, the world needs your books. So don't let anything stop you. Keep at it. You're listening to Lori Wright, an entrepreneur, podcast host, and best-selling children's book author from Alberta, Canada, discussing her first book in the Mindful Mantra series, I Can Handle It. She's our guest today on the podcast. Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Randy. I'm happy to be here. So how's the weather today out in Alberta? It's warming up, so we're very happy. Excellent. We're in a deep freeze for a couple of months, hiding inside, so it's supposed to be great coming up. And what is the Albertian definition of warming up? <laughs> so we're in Celsius. We were minus 30 there for a month, and so it's actually supposed to be 15 degrees above this week. Excellent. We're happy. S- still very cold, though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you live in this, uh, this is the, the time you start kicking off the winter boots and, and kicking off the jacket. So Absolutely. It's kind, of, kind of funny. So, Lori, before we get started, I just want to say thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Lori, you're also a podcast host. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. So, I have, um, I have this teacher aspect in me. I was a teacher for 10 years. And after publishing my books, I've been at it for about three years and realizing how drastically my life has changed for the better. And also knowing the statistic that about 80% of people want to write a book, but only about 1% do. I just had this urge to help people and motivate them to actually write their book and publish it. And after going through the the process myself and seeing how relatively easy and straightforward it is, I thought I should try to do something to reach people and give them that gentle nudge as well as the inspiration. So I talk to fairly new authors most of the time so that people can see that regular everyday, you know, people um, can do it and have done it and are doing it all the time and are successful at it. Yeah, that's a really great thing. And it's, um, it's really nice to hear that because I'm kind of coming from the same angle with this podcast as well and giving that voice to those new and up, up and coming authors. Yeah, it's needed. Absolutely. So how did you come up with the idea for I Can Handle It and the Mindful Mantras book series? Like I said, I taught kindergarten for about 10 years, and I saw some pretty big changes over that time period. And what happened was each year it seemed that kids were coming more and more with what um, I and other educators call learned helplessness. So there's been cultural shifts, you know, lots of things have changed, but What's happening now is parents don't have the time or the patience to let kids try to handle their own problems, tie their own shoes, zip their own zippers, things like that. They're just doing it for them. And so the kids don't realize necessarily that they're capable people. They haven't been given the opportunity to attempt to solve these everyday type problems for themselves. 
And, you know, part of that learning and growing process is trying to zip your zipper, trying to tie your shoes, trying to solve a social problem and not being successful at it. And so then what naturally happens is you try different ways or you try again, you try more, you try harder, you try different, what, what have you. And so when parents take that opportunity away from the children, um, they get used to just doing nothing for themselves and they get used to somebody swooping in and, and helping them and solving their problems. And so that's what I was seeing in the kindergarten class more and more. And as a teacher, it was really hard to address because I only had them for three hours a day. I could only do so much. Um, and it really bothered me. And it wasn't just me, it was lots, you know, and, and still now 12 years after that happened and motivated me to write a book, it's still happening. Because when I speak to other teachers, I speak at conventions often, um, I get a lot of head nods as soon as I say learned helplessness. So it's definitely still happening. Um, so what I did was I went home one night and wrote the book fairly quickly, but that was 12 years ago. And you know, the internet itself was still fairly new and it's evolved so much since then. But when you Googled, how do I get published? It was all the standard traditional stuff. So find an agent, send a query letter, um, you know, and the whole process is going to take a few years. So I was in my late twenties and, um, working full time. And so the process seemed a little daunting. I, um, filed it away on my computer and went about my life, got married, had three kids. And um, after being a stay-at-home mom for about eight years, I was definitely lacking that creative outlet as well as the intellectual outlet. Um, and, and so I just started making some changes in my life as lots of stay-at-home moms eventually hopefully do, you know, started taking care of me again, started paying attention to my needs and my wants and setting some goals for myself. And I happened to be lucky enough to be a beta tester of a self-publishing course. So it wasn't for children's books. As far as I know, there's not very many of those. But just taking that course really opened my mind to the new potential out there uh, with you know the advent of Amazon and the KDP and self-publishing possibilities. And so that was probably March of 2016 that I took that course. And shortly thereafter, I learned about online services for finding an illustrator because that was a big mental block for me. You know, how do I illustrate my book? So I used um, the service called Fiverr, which is an online um, meeting place for people of all sorts and people offer services of all sorts. So I went through the process of um, vetting quite a few illustrators and settled on one. And so from that time, March, that I took the course, it was about five months, I published my book in September of 2016. And uh, Walter Koenig, the Chekhov from yeah. Star Trek, narrated your book. Tell me about that. Sure. So um, fast forward three years, I've published nine books and I started um, realizing, you know, there was a lot more issues than learned helplessness. So I have a whole series called the Mindful Mantras. And the idea is that I just plant one mantra, you know, in the child's mind, one book at a time. It's just a repeated phrase so that after reading the book, they start saying things like, oh, I can handle it. I, I will try. I will be okay. Things like that. And so in the fall, I got a request for book donations, which I get a lot. 
And it was this program called the Great Gulf Coast Read. So they were trying to put together an interactive library for families who um, had experienced the hurricane in Florida this, this past fall. And, you know, they, they asked me for books, and I said, sure. And at the time, they said, well, we're going to have some celebrity readers. And they mentioned some football players I wasn't familiar with. And, you know, it was a great cause. So I was happy to donate my books. And that was maybe October 2018. And so just this past week, March 2019, I saw that they had rolled out my book with Walter Koenig reading it. And so for people who don't know, that's Chekhov from, like, the original Star Trek and I'm a huge Trekkie. They couldn't have picked a better person to read my book, in my opinion, if it had been a football player. You know, I, I would have been happy, but I wouldn't have um, connected with that as much. So I was really thrilled. And, you know, it was just as easy as that. I, I was happy to donate books, and it just worked out like that. Yeah, that must be a real honor to have someone uh, that's connected to you in that Star, Star Trek kind of way to uh, actually know. <laughs> Yeah, he did a great job, too. And, Lori, growing up, were you always into creative writing, or did it develop later on? Yeah, it wasn't at all. And I actually, it's funny, I still don't consider myself a writer. I often tell people, I'm not good with the words. I need somebody else. Um, I wasn't at all. I was a more math science type person. I didn't take any, any English courses in university. I did take psychology and then went through teacher's college. But... Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't like it, and I still don't consider myself great at it. I love copywriting. Copywriting has really got a special place in my heart, but the writing is hard. And um, what, what, you know, the reason that I write books is because I see that need in people. And, you know, a, a book is a great way to educate people, and you can get it all over the world. I'm published so far in six languages, I guess seven, including English. Um, so I'm able to help with this problem that I see going on everywhere. I'm able to help around the world in this fairly easy manner. So that's why I help via my books. And have you had responses from around the world in terms of feedback from other cultures that um, have responded to your book? I haven't actually, but I haven't gone looking. So, so far the books are out in Chinese and Korean, not all the books. It takes a while to produce them. So three in Korean and two in Chinese, uh, Mandarin. And, and so I haven't really gone looking on, on any sites or anything for it. On Instagram, I see the, the Korean publisher post a lot. And then I see a lot of people respond to the posts about my books, but it's in Korean. So I don't, I don't know if it's positive or not. <laughs> I'll assume positive. Absolutely. So as a kid, did you have any stories that you particularly admired? As a kid? Oh, there, I think I loved Pippi Longstocking. I was a voracious reader and uh, very in my own imagination kind of a person. So at a pretty young age, I started reading Guy Gabriel Kay. And I, uh, I love science fiction-y type stuff, as you can tell from my Star Trek obsession. So I just write everything, yeah. Do you have a writing routine that you like to stick to, like going to a coffee shop or in a quiet living room? Quiet is definitely a bonus, but uh, I, I do it at home. I'm not in a great routine at the moment because I've developed some businesses after doing the books, and I find that they take most of my time. 
So I work from nine till three when the kids are at school and I really need to carve out writing time in a better way because I haven't been doing that. But it also depends on the flow. So I don't know if you're like this, Randy, but I have a chapter book series and that was inspired by my kids. I have three kids and we were sitting around the dinner table one night and my eldest son and his best friend were over and they started telling my daughter stories about how, um, you know, there's the rainbow or the unicorns eat rainbows. And then they were joking, but of course they don't need the color brown because everything's about poop, right? When you're an eight-year-old boy, but the kids loved it and they were eating it up and it just inspired this whole story in my head. And they're always pretend playing to transform into magical animals. Well, not just magical, cheetahs and, you know, everything. So I actually sat down and in an afternoon wrote the first chapter book. It's about 10,000 words and it's about my daughter transforming into a unicorn and so then, of course, I have to make it a series so that all, all the kids get to transform into something. But that first one I wrote in an afternoon, of course, it needed editing. But the second one was my son turning into a dragon. And that one took me months and months and months. It's really hard when you don't feel that inspiration flowing through you. And you really do have to sit down and just force it for a little while until it starts coming. But that's what I need to work on more. Yeah, I think all authors can relate to that. <laughs> Butt in chair technique, I think is what it's called. <laughs> Simple enough. <laughs> so, Lori, what inspires you to continue writing the mindful mantras? Well, I wrote the first four based on my kids. And then uh, I just felt like I wasn't done yet. So I wrote another one and my illustrator used her daughter as the inspiration. And then I... I started getting reviews and feedback from people that I wasn't representing children of all cultural backgrounds. And it was true. And that was definitely on my mind. So now I have this urge to make sure that all kids can be represented and can see themselves in my books. And there's still, you know, more work to be done. So, so I just feel like I'll keep going until I run out of juice. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Did you have any mentors that helped you along your writing journey? I did, but less with the writing and more with the um, publishing. So I know you help people with the writing process, but I needed help with the publishing. So there's a couple of amazing Facebook groups that I just sort of hung out in and absorbed all the information. Again, most of it's about novels. There's very little information thus far about children's books, but I just took what I could and um, applied it as best I could to children's books. So there's been, Brian Meeks was responsible for getting me into starting advertising on Amazon. So I credit him with my success, absolutely. And he also talks about copywriting. So copywriting is a lot different than the creative writing, which is what you use when you actually write the book. Copywriting is what you have to use when you want to post about it and try to direct people to look at it and possibly buy it. And so he's been a huge mentor in my life. And I actually got to meet him in person last month and bought him a slice of pizza in Vegas. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds really good. I, I can definitely relate to kind of the switching gears of the creative writing process versus the copywriting process. Mm -hmm, It's tricky. So let's talk about, I can handle it. I know you gave a little bit of a summary in the beginning, but tell me about the premise of the book. What is it all about? 
So just about a boy who's maybe about five years old and he encounters throughout his day a lot of obstacles like any four or five-year-old. So he lost a shoe. His friend is mad at him. He said the wrong thing. He has to go to bed. He isn't allowed to watch TV. You know, everyday problems that, that children have, but are, they, they are less able to handle these days. They're, you know, they're not able to regulate their own emotions. And so something small like losing a shoe, and many kids these days will cause, you know, an epic meltdown. So in the book, I present the problem. So I've lost my shoe. Can I handle it? And then I present three solutions. So there's usually a silly one, a very unreasonable one, and then the reasonable solution, concluding with, yes, I can handle that. And I try to deal with different emotions. So each page, for example, I've lost my shoe. I'm really frustrated. Or I have to go to um, bed and I'm upset. I'm not allowed to watch TV and I'm angry. So things like that. And then the different ways kids could handle it. And then um, the reaffirmation, I can handle it. That's the whole book. <laughs> yeah, that's a, definitely a great message for a little kid. How would you describe your typical reader out there? What is their age group? Um, four to six is sort of my target reader but for example, my, my eldest is 10, my daughter's seven. It still applies. They'll still crawl in when I read to my four-year-old and listen, and they'll still assimilate the mantras. They'll still use those, those phrases that they hear in the book. Yeah, that's excellent. Kind of the takeaway, the takeaway line from it. Yes. And all the books have that. So and I call, you know, affectionately, I call my kids my test subjects. But when I first <laughs> published, I can handle it. I overheard my daughter, who was five at the time, saying to my two-year-old, it's okay, Max, you can handle it. <laughs> and it was just really cute because reading the book just a couple of times, they would learn that line and it gave them the language to use. They could use it with me. They could use it with each other. And it just seemed really effective. To have her say that, that's, that's really big. Yeah, it was exciting for me because I wasn't in the room prompting. <laughs> Can you handle that? You know, it wasn't coming from me. It was really coming from her. And then she was sharing it with her younger brother. So they've grown up with that language. And it seems like um, most of the feedback I get is, is very similar, that it's easy to get language. It's kid language. And once they've been given that, they're able to say it. And the more they say it, you know, it becomes their self-talk. And it's positive. And that's really my end goal is just really improving that positive self-talk and replacing the negative self-talk. Yeah, that's really a great goal. Mm -hmm. so, so tell me about your illustrator, Anna Santos. Mm -hmm. So I found her on Fiverr. She lives in France. <laughs> and she's great. She says she's happy to keep doing the books. Uh, lately she's been saying, can we do a different style? Can you write a different kind of book? She's a really creative artistic person. And so I've, I've had to say the covers need to stay the same. They have to look the same because it's a series. And so I feel a bit bad for her because I'm forcing her to do very similar work. <laughs> and she wants to branch out, but we'll get there. Lori, what advice would you give the younger version of yourself who's just starting out as a writer? You know, I've definitely made mistakes along the way, but each mistake I've made has been a learning opportunity. So I don't know that I would want to take away any mistakes or any missteps, but 
what I would say is just keep at it. You can do it. It's worthwhile. Don't give up. And what other projects are you currently working on? Um, so I have the next in the Mindful Mantra series ready to be published. The next in the Courage Chronicles ready to be published. So that's the uh, chapter book series where my son's going to turn into a dragon. And those are the two series I'm going to work on finishing in 2019. And I also run courses for authors. So I help aspiring authors, so people who haven't published yet. And I have a course, How to Self-Publish Your Children's Book. And I also have a course for people who are already published but have realized that they're not making sales and they don't have a marketing plan or background, which is very common. And so I've um, run a course, a six-month course, to help people improve their sales and all of that and the podcast. So I think that's all I'm working on <laughs> and momming and wiping. Yep. Full slate yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. So where can listeners find your podcast courses and books? So a few places. The podcast is available, you know, the audio version on most of the major channels. So Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher. I also do a podcast. I, I release the video as well because I feel like people enjoy looking at people's faces and reactions and things. So you can find it on YouTube and I put them on my Facebook page. So it's called The Writer's Way and it's my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T-E-R. -E so The Writer's Way podcast. And my Facebook page is Lori Writer. My main website is lauriwriter.com and my courses are housed on creative writer. And again, it's writer like my last name. So W-R-I-G-H-T-E-R. Just a few places. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a nice little coincidence there that you have with uh, writer. Yeah. I was trying to be really clever, but people just think my last name is writer now. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It works. Yeah. As long as they remember it, that's all that matters. I guess. Oh, yeah. And we've also got your website, and your uh, podcast linked up on the Creative Writing Magic website and our Twitter feed. Awesome. Thank you. And Lori, before we close the show, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience? I feel like, I feel like people get stuck sometimes on that, you know, is my idea original enough? Has anybody done it before? So what I think it's important for people to realize is there really is no truly unique ideas. It's your spin on it and it's your personality and it's what you bring to the table that makes it unique and different. So I hope that nobody listening will allow that to stifle their creativity or stop them from writing and publishing their books. And just to know that, you know, the world needs you. The world needs your books. So don't let anything stop you. Keep at it. Excellent message. Thanks. So that's all the time we have for today. Lori, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you, listener. You make this all possible. If you like this podcast, feel free to support us on Patreon and consider subscribing. The link to Patreon is in the description. Also, if you're an aspiring writer and would like to learn more about writing coaching services and story outline coaching services, contact us on the Creative Writing Magic website. And be sure to subscribe to the email newsletter to receive email notifications when new episodes are available. And as always, thanks so much for listening, stay inquisitive, support the arts, and keep creating. Bye for now. Um.